the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back as we head into Hour 3. It is a delight to do so with our dear friend Hugh Hallman, who is in studio with us. He is the former mayor of Tempe, former city councilman in Tempe. He is the builder of schools. He is an attorney. And he is a uh, man of uh, many uh, social and nonprofit uh, uh, volunteer efforts in in our community, a real a real community mensch. Hugh, welcome back to the show. Mensch, he is. Thank you, Seth, for allowing me to be here with you and your listeners. Did you ever watch the movie City Hall? You were a mayor. Did you ever see? I that? did. That, I did. He has a great definition of mensch. Menschlichkeit. Remember when he is trying to explain what a mensch is, and he says it's the cement, it's the mortar between the bricks. And I then, don't remember that, uh, but I do. Worth, the show was actually quite good. Yeah, it's a great, great. Great movie. Anyway, uh, let's talk education a little bit. Let's talk education and let's talk America. George Kaloff was uh, in studio with me yesterday. We were talking just a little bit about this story uh, that I got emails on. And interestingly enough, I got a bunch of emails asking me if Hugh and I, if you and I would address this. And it's a story out of the Washington Elementary School District Board, which is, what, about Glendale, Glendale Arizona? Indeed. H- housed in Glendale, Arizona. North Phoenix, North uh, West Phoenix, yeah. Glendale. And, 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 and this is a story pregnant with problems and uh, pregnant with bad lessons. I mean, this is when a school board engages in a bad lesson for the community and the students, you know it's a failing school board. And I think it's a failing school board based on what was done here. Do you want me to read from Lori Roberts? I, uh, Lori Roberts is good, or the original story that I sent you yeah. uh, that others saw because it was s- s- not well covered. Yeah. And yeah. I was stunned that Lori Roberts pulled this out of the the uh, stack because it truly was not well covered by by the newspapers and news media. And so I think describe what happened. Yeah, it's, let it's me outrageous. do it. Let me use Lori Roberts' words because I think it would be fair to say she would say of herself she's a liberal columnist. She would probably say that of herself. I think, I think she would agree that she okay. bends to the left. Yeah. Okay. The Washington Elementary School District School Board has a message for education majors who attend Arizona Christian University. You aren't welcome here. The board is ending its contract with Arizona Christian University, which for 11 years has supplied student teachers to the North Valley School District. It seems the university's budding educators are simply too Christian to be allowed to teach in the district's 32 schools. I won't read the whole thing, but let me go a little further. The push to cleanse the district of Arizona Christian's students was spearheaded by Washington Elementary Board member Tamilia Tamilia Valenzuela. Forgive me if I mispronounce it. Tamilia Valenzuela. Yeah, Tamilia Valenzuela, who noted the university's mission to, quote, influence, engage, and transform the culture with truth by promoting the biblically informed values that are foundational to Western civilization. Among those values, according to the university's website, traditional sexual morality and lifelong marriage between one man and one woman. So uh, Valenzuela told her fellow board members, quote, at some point we need to get real with ourselves and take a look who we are making legal contracts with and the message that this is sending to our community, because that makes me feel like I could not be safe in this school district. That makes queer kids who are already facing attack from our lawmakers feel that they could not be safe in this community. Close quote. 
Valenzuela, who was elected in November and describes herself on the district's website as a, quote, bilingual, disabled, neurodivergent, queer, black, Latina, close quote, noted that three of the five school board members are LGBTQ. Um, I could keep going, but does that set up the story fair enough? I think it sets it up okay. uh, brilliantly. And uh, hats off to Lori Roberts again for pulling this out of the, the stack of un, uh, unreally covered stories that, uh, that were not well covered. And the, when I first saw it and sent it to you, you then had by then gotten Simultaneously a almost, yeah. yeah it, was, it was only covered in one place, but it, it jumps off the page at one because you've got a school board that took what otherwise a perfunctory act, it was on their, quote, consent, unquote, agenda. That's the agenda. Uh, public bodies have two agendas. Consent items are things that are viewed by the staff as non-controversial, put on the agenda, and they typically are passed all together with one motion, and then items that might be controversial are set aside in the non-consent agenda. Like, like an offhanded contract renewal that doesn't Correct. need to be examined. And there's lots of that kind of stuff. And that was this contract was put on the consent agenda as non-controversial by the staff with a recommendation from the staff to renew it. It had been going on for 11 years, and from the facts we've been able to tease out in all the different places without calling the district itself, admittedly, um, is that there was no controversy about it at all, that the students who are student teaching from this university over the last 11 years have engaged in no behaviors that have been reported in any way, shape, or form as being uh, violative of the district's own policies of inclusion and diversity. And so now you've got a school board member leveling a charge that the students who are uh, taking courses and are getting their degrees from that university as in pedagogy cannot be trusted to teach their students that they somehow will import a set of values from that university that diverges and conflicts with the, the district's own values and somehow, like implicit bias, will merely uh, seep into the very uh, essence of that school district and make uh, the school board member in particular, but also she ar argues, would make LGBTQ students feel unsafe with no facts supporting that conclusion whatsoever. But what I find more interesting, and I, I hope we'll tease out a little bit yeah, more in a bit, a lot here. is that you've got a school board member who's effectively stating that people with strong opinions and values cannot be trusted to teach children in our school districts. So why doesn't that apply to folks from the left who are carrying a whole host of um, views and opinions now taught in our fairly uh, extreme education colleges into the classrooms on a daily basis? This is an exact admission that that cannot be done without uh, inculcating those values uh, in our students. Exactly what we've been concerned about as conservatives, that our school districts have been now teaching values, uh, and that's all been denied. Your point in a, in a prior monologue, that if you're going to go down the Marxist path, you first have to deny that the activity is taking place at all. And then when you're, when you're caught having taken, taking the actions to demonstrate why it's important and valuable, and then third, of course, uh, assume it's the case and uh, press forward and as— mandate it. Yes, and, this is the dialectic. Deny, argue, then mandate. Right, yes. And so here we have, in fact, somebody objecting to uh, 
teachers coming from a university that has a set of values, are they now going to go after, and apparently there is some concern that they will now go after, student teachers who would come from Grand Canyon University, another private Christian university uh, in our valley that's well healed and highly regarded as an effective institution with great quality and uh, graduating students who are quite skilled in their subjects. Some of them even work in this building. Some of them might even work in this building. And and the, the sadness is that the challenge we face is that uh, we've now got a school board that with very little thought and what looks like herd mentality was moved from a consent agenda item to approve a, a, a non-controversial contract. And they picked up a concept that somehow students who are taught with underlying Christian values, because it is not that they're going to teach Christian values, look carefully at the, the quote even that the school board members most concerned about, that these are students who are attending a university whose mission, whose mission includes that they are effectively influenced engagement and transforming a culture with, with truth by promoting biblically informed. It doesn't say biblical. It says biblically informed. So the code of Hammurabi <laughs> is similar to the Old Testament in its conditions and concepts for Western culture and for law. Biblically informed is not to say that you're going to teach Christ's lessons in the classroom as if you're um, uh, preaching from the pulpit, but that your your values and your system and your worldview is informed from biblically understood precepts. Well, that is much of Western culture. So is this school board member offended by the fact that the word biblically informed is in there? Well, I hate to tell you, sister, but our Constitution is biblically informed. The Declaration of Independence is biblically informed. It does say nature and nature's God. And as a result, one wonders, at what point is this person going to realize that she's objecting to the very founding principles of our society? Here's a school mission that might be problematic. Quote, let every student be plainly instructed and earnestly pressed to consider well the end of his life and studies is to know God and Jesus Christ, which is eternal life, and therefore to lay Christ in the bottom is the only foundation of all sound knowledge and learning. That was Harvard's original mission statement. I am Seth Leibson. He is Hugh Hallman. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Hugh, thanks for that distillation of uh, the problem um, that Miss or Tamilia Valenzuela brings up from the Washington Elementary School Board in uh, what is active discrimination against a college and the teachers, student teachers and teachers uh, from that college, merely because they go to a university that has as its mission some form of Christian teaching. But, you know, there's, there's, there's something just before we even get to that analysis that I think is worth raising, which is what I said, the word discrimination. There is a prejudice here. The pre there are a lot of prejudices here, but there's one that is going unaddressed, it seems to me, by some of the commentary around this, which is the presumption that every teacher from Arizona Christian believes the same thing, or even is a Christian. We don't know that. We have no knowledge of that. One of my dear friends 
who uh, died on 9-11, Barbara Olson, Ted Olson's wife, remember the Solicitor General, Ted Olson? Where did she go to law school? Yeshiva University. Barbara Olson, Yeshiva University, right? Uh, We have uh, plenty of Jewish students at plenty of parochial schools. We have plenty of atheists at plenty of every kind of school. We have plenty of Catholics at Protestant schools. I can tell you BYU isn't all LDS. There's a presumption here that I think needs to be dispensed with in the first place, that we are, as we are saying, as this person is saying, we are trying to uh, diversify uh, our, 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 education, uh, our education experiences and make safe spaces effectively for all people in the educational or in the learning community. Make, unless they're Christian. Right, unless they're Christian. We're presuming, we're presuming that the teachers even agree with the mission of that school. I can tell you, as I'm sure you can tell you, as I'm, you can tell me, as I'm sure everyone in this audience could probably say, how much did they agree with the mission of the undergraduate college they went to? And how much do they agree with it now? There is a stack of presumptions going on here, which is nothing more than the word prejudice. This person who has campaigned on the notion of being against discrimination is engaging in the very act of prejudice. She says in her campaign website for uh, running for school board, speaking in the third person, Tamilia believes that good school leaders demonstrate empathy, create and nurture inclusive environments, and demonstrate a belief that all students can and will succeed. I see all. I see empathy. I see inclusive as the words here. That ain't what's happening here. What we have is prejudice and discrimination with, with, with a belief about teachers that has nowhere, as you say, in 11 years been demonstrated. We know nothing about these teachers' political beliefs. We know nothing about these teachers' religious beliefs. We know nothing about what these teachers believe come and go through at that school. And we know nothing, absolutely nothing, of any history or case of discrimination except now for the first time against these teachers. I would add that what this demonstrates is a pattern of activity attacking an institution yep. whose th- the the values of which you disagree with by targeting its customers mm-hmm. make it difficult for the out flowing students to find jobs by attacking the institutions to drive away students who would otherwise be incoming that's a a systematic effort here that's going on across the board by labeling we see that in the uh efforts to require diversity training in 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 businesses mm-hmm. that the attacks on those businesses are about the fundamental values of those businesses and it is more challenging and difficult and costly not to go down the roads of adopting the diversity training even if it's even if it's counterproductive in this instance the attack is yes it's against the particular students who might have come in in the next few years but it is specifically targeting that institution. And as you say, we don't know what the students' values are in particular, but we do know one thing. This particular person, this particular school board member is biased against anybody who might be trained in their heads as a Christian, that they have a certain set of values that this person is now afraid will be put into the classroom. And I quote again, this is not a university or a college training students to be preachers or otherwise espouse Christian values. It is saying that they are to influence and engage and transform the culture with truth by promoting informed values that are foundational to Western civilization. What's the I left out the word 
biblical. Yeah, what's the word? What's the motto above Harvard? Theratos? Ah, uh, there we go. <laughs> two two additional points on that, if I might, Hugh, because yes, now that we let's let, the first thing I wanted to do was separate the 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 tying of the of the student to believing every single thing. Uh, Miss Valenzuela believes that sh- that that those students believe an entire that an entire right. group of right. students right. without knowing who they are or what they stand right. for have been thrown aside right. Right. because of their institution. But then the next thing you're absolutely right is okay. What if they do believe that? Are they incapable of well? Are they incapable of understanding the gospel of Mark who says, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and render unto God what is God? Are they unable to distinguish between what is appropriate in a classroom merely because they're Christians? I can guarantee you, I can guarantee you at the high school I went to where your daddy was one of my teachers, I can guarantee you that I saw some of my teachers coming in leading uh, uh, church uh, prayer services outside of school time. I can tell you that they were deep believers, and I can tell you none of it ever entered that classroom. Campaign website of Miss Valenzuela. I want to make sure, quote, I want to make sure that our educators feel valued and know that our district will meet with them to discuss policy. I want to make sure that our educators feel valued unless they're Christian. That's bigotry. Correct. It is complete and utter bigotry. So for somebody who's trying to pretend that she's all about diversity, the only people she does not want to have in a classroom is somebody who has deeply held beliefs. But more important, and again, I want to touch on this more broadly, what you've just described is somebody who believes that those with deeply held beliefs can't be objective in the classroom. Well, why is it that she's going to only attack Christians who might be in the classroom with deeply held beliefs? Where are you going after Jews who might be in the classroom or Muslims who might be in the classroom or atheists or those who are deep blue Democrats? I would say her deeply held beliefs can't be kept out of the school board's decision-making policies. Now we have a school board member who has, by her own actions, admitted she cannot be trusted to not inculcate her specific values into the classroom on top of every child's head. That's exactly right. Now, so we all must be no. uh, LGBTQ, uh, what she call herself? A uh, This was a new one to me. I didn't know neurodivergent, but I, uh, I, indeed, I, I had to look it up. But bilingual, disabled, we both know that, neurodivergent, somebody who thinks differently, queer, black, Latina. Yeah. So is she telling us, You're going to learn how to be that because that's the only thing she can understand. If Christians are only able to teach mathematics or social studies, history, uh, art, whatever, from a Christian perspective. Really, lady? It's bigotry. It's prejudice. And it's a bad lesson. And it's a shame that it's a school board that's teaching the community a bad lesson in prejudice and bias. That's exactly what this is. And um, you know what? It's probably also unconstitutional. And I suspect there may be some folks working already to prove that point. I'm Seth Liebson. He's Hugh Hallman. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Seth Liebson Show. I am Seth Liebson, and Hugh Hallman is my guest, as he is uh, almost every Tuesday. He's in town or in country, spends a lot of time abroad. Um Another kind of interesting uh, story where politics is intruding into places, you know, this is one of the this is really one of the tragedies of our time is there's just no of all the all the places, all all the safe places people ask for, you know, 
one. <laughs> the people asking for safe spaces and safe places never seem to want to be have them safe from their version of politics. It seems that there is nowhere you can go anymore, no event you can go to anymore that doesn't have a political aspect to it, including uh, professional athletic games uh, and memorial events uh, that you would think have nothing to do with politics. What was it C.S. Lewis said a, um, a, a society should think about politics the way a, a person of ill health thinks about medicine. But if you make it their regular fare, you'd indeed have a sick society. We have made politics the regular fare everywhere. So yesterday uh, in, um, in a town you know well, Tempe, uh, they held a COVID Memorial Day event uh, where Governor Katie Hobbs was, attend- was uh, in attendance and speaking. It was called COVID Memorial Day. I didn't know we had a COVID Memorial Day, but COVID Memorial Day. Newly minted. Yeah, newly minted. Resilient. <laughs> it's the novel COVID Memorial Day. <laughs> Resilience and Hope event with Governor Hobbs. Marked first by- annual. Yes, first, first annual. First of many. <laughs> Governor marked by COVID and the Arizona Heritage Center. Now, what was interesting about this was the co-sponsoring of the event and the event that it was um, it was being underwritten by an organization I didn't know much about. Uh, in fact, I knew nothing about called Marked by COVID. Had you heard of this organization, Marked by COVID? I had not. I hadn't either. And I kind of thought you and I knew a lot about some of this stuff. Yes. But anyway. Um, I'm th- certainly marked by COVID, aren't you? Well, I yeah. think we all were our children more than any. Yes. Um the mark of the beast. Well, said. you know, I got to tell you, whether it's the erasing of uh, two decades of educational gains or whether it's the high increase of anxiety and depression uh, that was foisted upon our children, I think a lot of them, yes, indeed massive were. Massive suicide increase, yeah. uh, massive drug and alcohol abuse, Absolutely. all of it. I think all of it. Misuse of billions of dollars, so trillions a lo- of dollars. A lot of people were marked by COVID, but that's not what this is about. May their memories be a revolution is what their website homepage says. Marked by COVID is the grassroots nonprofit leading the national movement for pandemic justice and remembrance founded by and for those most harmed. We promote health, equity, and pandemic prevention. They have a 5R platform that might be of interest to many. Uh, one of them is the, is, comes with this statement. Um, Our team is 100 percent volunteer led by two queer women and supported by an all women board of directors. Our community advisory board is majority women of color. You know what? As our hearts and souls, you know, bleed for everyone who was harmed by covid, it seems to be about the last people who this is about is all the children we just talked about and the suffering that they went through. And I wonder if this organization marked by COVID, I just wonder if in their seeking of um, help for, quote, the most harms, the most harmed, um, they're going to um, put together class action lawsuits against the organizations that shut down the schools and caused them in the first place. Yeah. So the 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 news story that caught my I was actually a press release uh, was about uh, folks joining uh, in this marked by COVID memorial. Mm -hmm. Again, as you note, the memorial COVID Memorial Day, which I didn't know we had yet, but now apparently we do. It's a novel day for a novel virus. Indeed. But what struck me as soon as I read it was, who are we memorializing? Right. I was wondering about that, too. And it is the list of people you just mentioned and what I'm. I I continue to be perhaps most distressed about is that we close down schools to protect children from what? A disease that ultimately did not harm them 
was less harmful than the flu and the the actions we took were to protect the adults not the children the very first time in u.s policy history that i know of where we took action at the expense of children to protect adults and further there's a whole list when we come back of people that I don't think were memorialized that I think we need to touch on in addition to those children who suffered suicide, who suffered addiction, who suffered depression, anxiety, and a loss of, and I should never use that word, a never-received series of years of education. Let me just give you the third R in their R, 5R platform. To provide reparations to families of victims and survivors of COVID-19 for the willful negligence of our public servants. Oh, boy, we have a lot of people to sue here. I'm Seth East Hugh. We'll be right back. Boy, you combine the kind of two major stories we're talking about today. Do you get the sense that I, I think it's fair to call these organizations and uh, these animators left wing? Do you get the sense that they're just not very friendly? So this organization marked by COVID, which hosted this uh, Memorial Day event yesterday in Tempe, has five R's as, as their platform. I'm, I'm fascinated by the third R, which is restitution, provide reparations to families of victims and survivors of COVID-19, survivors of COVID-19, for the willful negligence of our public servants and repay essential workers for their service and sacrifice. Willful negligence of our public servants, that's a really interesting one. Well, unless they are prepared to go after the deepest blue states for things like ushering uh, elderly who were infected with COVID back into uh, congregate congregate settings to contaminate everyone else, when we knew fairly early on that the people most at risk were the elderly Mm -hmm. and that we had talked ad infinitum, ad absurdum perhaps, on this show of the policy that one could enact to protect the elderly without... Costing our young people such dire consequences. Can I add the obese to that as well? Indeed, uh, elderly indeed. and obese. Uh, uh, by 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 any analysis, those were the most affected. Add, add in those with heart conditions. Yeah, so sure. you know you've got you. We we knew what the comorbidities were and how to protect them. But instead of doing that, we had to pretend that. Uh, we had to shut everybody into their homes. We had to shut down schools and all businesses. And interesting that they would talk about essential workers. Yeah. All the people who still did jobs like bringing food to all those folks who could afford to be shut into their homes on government payrolls. Uh, that was the environment. So what I'm curious about when I saw this was, are we going to pay reparations to families and sue hospitals for refusing to allow family members of dying patients to visit them in the last moments of their lives, denying the humanity that went on in this valley, in this state, in this country, that people who were dying from all kinds of diseases were denied the humanity of being surrounded by their loved ones in their last moments of life, denying those survivors that last moment and connection. I know of dozens of families who lost, lost loved ones, not just to COVID, but to lots of other diseases that, as a typical matter, would have continued to take place. And they were not allowed to be with their loved ones in their last moments of life because hospitals had determined that they couldn't risk having COVID spread. And there were lots of actions that could have been taken in those 
terms and in those environments to make it safe for everyone and not deny the humanity of the person, the people who were dying and the loved ones who would have surrounded them. That's unconscionable to me. We have denied people for their lifetimes that last moment together. Parents with children, children with parents, other loved ones together, wives and husbands. It's horrific what we did. That's just one example. Yeah, let's talk about some of the other uh, people who are considered essential workers. Thousands upon thousands of healthcare workers and nurses who had to choose between a vaccine mandate and their job at those hospitals and chose to give up their job because they didn't want to follow the mandate. Are we going to give them and restore their pay? Are we going to give them reparations for the choice that was foisted upon them against their will? They were heroic essential workers in the first year of COVID. They were not to be heard from after. Same with the military. We had the insistence that military personnel receive vaccines, which, given the age groups involved, were not likely to be particularly well benefited from the vaccines. Or their health conditions. Or their health conditions. That's right. And we talked about the the age cutoffs where vaccination was a push that is and below those ages so it's really up to mid 30s where a vaccination probably didn't provide any particular protection and we now know of course those and I, we argued on this show that it would be useful to get those people who are most healthy uh, to have the disease become carriers and ultimately create the herd uh, immunity that we needed as a result of having enough infection spread through the healthier side of our population. The herd immunity that we just learned in a massive study was as effective, if not more effective. By than as much as 27 times more effective by having uh, a natural immunity. We saw that coming out of Israel uh, in the in the early 2021 studies right. that uh, the immunity gained from natural immunity is significantly more, uh, stronger than, and that's what gave rise to Mr. Fauci being questioned about natural immunity being more valuable. And he, of course, said natural immunity. I mean, gee, I'll have to look into that. As if we this don't is know the con- durability, yeah, a, yes. a concept that he'd never considered while running our, you know, healthcare systems. Yeah, but also what we have now learned about the vaccines, and I am just fascinated by this idea of uh, government employees who are going to face restitution and reparations for their willful negligence of our public servants who enforced these mandates because we were told by the president and by the head of the CDC and by the head of the National Institute for Infectious Diseases and by every department of public health in the country that if you got a vaccine, you wouldn't get sick, you wouldn't go to the hospital, you wouldn't die. Unquote. That is the president of the United States. So there is an example of somebody who was either lying to us or didn't know what he was doing. That's negligence in one's performance. Yeah. So uh, the, the real question is, who are these people going to seek reparations from? You know, Banner Hospital that I- imposed all kinds of mandates on its employees, as well as shut down uh, the system so that uh, loved ones couldn't visit their dying uh, relatives and friends and family members. Uh, is that a possibility? One wonders, is it only the subset of people that they believe worthy? And given the five R's that you're reading from, yes. we have a sense of the direction that this group is headed. Yes. And they will get tangled up pretty quickly, I suspect, in in uh, the challenges they're facing as the narrative is changing. So here we have a narrative, a COVID Memorial Day Resilience and Hope event with Governor Hobbs marking the COVID uh, disaster here with a narrative 
that is counter to the facts that are coming out and have been building over the last year and a half that were evident in the first year and a half that we posited were the likely uh, consequences of what was going on, that we would shut down our society and the people who would be punished would be our youth when they weren't really at risk. We talked about the fact that we could protect their parents and grandparents and teachers who might succumb to the disease through other techniques than shutting down the schools. And is it those people who were going to be compensating the kids who were who who were not taught for two years? And as a result, our, our national report card shows that we're moving in the wrong direction for our economy, for our students, educational uh, results and uh, for their prospects in the future. They have a film. I guess that they were uh, showing at this memorial. Did you see much about uh, this film? I, I, I read about may, may, this. May film. I tell you what it features? Uh, they tell us the it, 2020 yes. chaos and hope. Yeah, COVID nineteen, racial strife, political unrest, truth under fire, and increased economic disparity that all gathered into the perfect storm. Yet at the same time, the tsunami of societal disasters, which has the potential to accelerate us towards a more evolved future. Are we just now going to use COVID? As a word, you've got you've got to close out in a second. But are we just going to now use COVID as as <laughs> as a as a barrel in which we pour every single resentment we have? And keep in mind that there was an employee at, at uh, Levi Strauss, yes, I believe, Jennifer Say, that got thrown out because she, as a woman of color, stood against this nuts. President of branding. President of branding called a racist because she wanted to open schools. We'll be right back. A lot of you have been hearing me talk about Y-Refi for a while now, and if you still have some questions about what it would be like to invest with them, they would love for you to give them a call so that they can put you in touch with any number of their highly satisfied clients and customers in the Phoenix area who have invested with them and are doing quite well. Their number is 888-Y-Refi-34. And they'd like me to ask you how your IRA is doing. Would you like your IRA to be earning strong fixed interest rates and not be dependent on the stock market or the Fed? Did you know you can invest with Y-Refi through an IRA or other qualified funds, and you can keep your investment, including the high fixed interest rates you earn, tax-deferred. That's right. Your money can stay in your IRA, and you don't have to pay taxes on the income you earn. Check them out at investyrefi.com. Hugh Hallman, thank you for everything uh, you do and for being here this afternoon. I wanted to take everything we've put together back and put it into the context of a line from the political philosopher Hannah Arendt that I use. Uh, she saw this coming in the 1950s that she said her, her, her vision of the perfect form, the perfect illustration of progressive education is going to be using children uh, to soothe adult anxieties as adult politics will be played out on the schoolyards of our nation's education systems. That's what we're doing here. That's what has been done here to our children. When you talked about the mental health declines from the school closures, all kinds of statistics now coming out on that, including more than a third of high school students reporting poor mental health during the COVID pandemic as a result of the disruption they were put in, 44% reporting uh, persistent feelings of sadness and hopelessness, as if they were doing well before any of that. And we made it all worse. And what the progressive narrative is now trying to do is justify everything the adults did to harm and to harm those students and increase their, their anxieties when it seems to me the adult and mature thing to do is to, as you said, 
refocus public policy first on protecting the children and the vulnerable. If progressivism is about protecting the vulnerable, they failed miserably here. And in fact, we have the evidence of that. And so now we've got an organization that our governor is stamping with her imprimatur. Governor Hobbs, you're better than this. You're supposed to be representing the entirety of the uh, state of Arizona. And this organization has a clear path that it's intending to follow. Why would you put all of your chips on the back of something like that when we've got demonstration that the one thing that harmed children of color the most was closing schools? And what was the response by the left to close schools? And when we saw people stand against that effort, they were fired, including a young lady who was running the branding efforts for Levi Strauss, who said the one thing we should do to help students of color is reopen their schools. And she eventually was pushed out. That's the kind of crazy we're dealing with. And people who are now trying to take a narrative that resulted in horror and pretend that it resulted in goodness and now attack those people who stood against it as people who somehow committed willful negligence and have to pay reparations. Governor Hobbs, please, you really should not bet all of your chips this early in your career on that kind of a message. Thank you, Hugh. I'm Seth Liebson. Thank you for spending some of your afternoon with us. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. Class is dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.